You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 198. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Today, I am going to actually go over an old article that I wrote way back in 2016 before the podcast existed. And it is all about something called passive computing, but it's basically thinking, okay, we've had all these cycles in history, all these tech cycles. Um, What's the next big platform? And I kind of conflate a little bit. um, What's the, uh, you know, you know, the, the, the changes between this is how the primary way we're going to interface with technology, the primary way we're going to interface with machines. And I was suggesting more passive computer and then, uh, or a more passive interface, and then uh, the other question is, you know, the the, uh, the 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 what's the big platform? What's the next big platform going to be? And so I went over to Aaron's house and uh, we cracked out the microphones and we discussed, you know, we we went through the article and we discussed how I did. So let me bring that up. All right. So today we're going to go over this article that I wrote in March 2016. Article? Article, Aaron, because it's just a blog post. I don't know if I have the right to call it an article. What do you think? Well, it's it's not peer-reviewed, but uh, no, it, it is published. Uh, yes. Uh, published on my blog, which is kind of that's, not defunct. That's something. Now, is, is it a single article, or is, is this part of a series? It's, it's a three-part series. So we'll okay. see what we get through today, um, and we'll get through maybe... Maybe we'll get through part one. Maybe we'll get through part one and two. Maybe we'll get through part one, two, and three, but I'm not sure if we have time. <laughs> but basically, we are going to – I'm going to read it. Uh, we're going to make fun of my writing, and we're going to uh, respond to it in real time. Okay. So sure. ready? So it's called The Era of Passive Computing. Got it? Got it. All right. Ready to go? Let's roll. All right. A couple weeks ago, Chris Dixon of Andreessen Horowitz wrote an article called What's Next in Computing? He talks about the product life cycle of technology as opposed to the financial cycle. It's well worth a read if you're interested in this topic. Mark Sandella called it a landmark blog post. By the way, Mark Sandella has been on the show, episode 66. Uh, Chris lays out three distinct eras in computing, each with its own basic platform. These are, one, the PC era, which begins in the 80s with the introduction of personal computers, Two, the internet era beginning in the mid-90s, where the most interesting applications uh, began to live on the internet and in the browser. And three, the mobile era beginning with the introduction of the modern smartphone around uh, 2007. I said around the 2007. So we'll see what happens in the 2022. Uh, All right. Keep going or or any – I feel like let's keep going. Because we're almost 10 years into the mobile era, it's time to ask – What's next? Each computing platform so far has contained the seeds to its successor. Therefore, it might be possible to make some predictions. It's important to point out that there may not be a successor. It's possible that this type of cycle has ended. It's also possible that the next era will contain many different themes, which will be tough to pin down to a single phrase. Uh, phrase uh, phrase like, you know, so I was, I was talking about passive computing. Last thing. It certainly looks like the way... Uh, when you consider the diversity of computing applications coming, wait, it's, it certainly looks that way when you consider the diversity of computing applications coming our way. Okay, so I'm saying here maybe maybe the next era is hard to like pin down to a single phrase because there's so much stuff coming out. Okay, we're looking at everything from the improvements in machine learning to the proliferation of consumer wearables. We're heading towards a world of augmented reality, drones, 
connected homes, autonomous vehicles, and blockchains. But after much of this comes to pass, we may look back and find an overall theme that describes the basic way in which we will interact with our technology in this next cycle. Today, I'm going to make the case for one possibility, which I call passive computing. Any comments so far, or should I just read this whole part? Yeah, let's, let's knock out this whole section, and okay. then we'll go back with some thoughts. I see passive computing as a primary change in how we think about input and output between our devices and our senses. We're used to using our hands in order to call up information when we need it and getting a visual response on a screen. Over the next decade, we're going to find and are already starting to find that there are much more natural ways of working, playing, and communicating electronically. This could be voice. This could be gesture. This could be augmented reality or simply servers anticipating your needs before you have them. The trick is that different types of interaction are going to be more natural in different circumstances. Getting it to be seamless and smooth is going to take not just a lot of engineering power, but many iterations of product design through trial and error. Um, very much open to a better name. At first, I was going to call this hands-free computing, but I kept thinking of a cheesy infomercial for a cheap headset. What I'm thinking about instead is a type of computing and an internet access that doesn't involve pulling out a device, logging in, or otherwise disrupting your life. Over the next couple of days in this blog, I'm going to consider some aspects of how this might look. Many of the examples I will give are described in, in Chris Dixon's article, but what I'm going to do is try to fit it all into the theme of passive computing. All right, so that's, uh, that's my introduction there. And I think it's very much, um, you know, uh, uh, colored by what I was working on at the time, which, is, uh, which was like, you know, the MarsBot, the original MarsBot. Right, so we this, this was, yeah, the, the text version long, long before MarsBot audio. Yeah, yeah. So the, the answer is, so this is, already set, uh, this is already five years in. So when I say over the next decade, we've really uh, hit a lot of big chunk of it already. Um, yeah. So the, the first thing I wanted to touch on is, is you mentioned um, there, there are so many different platforms and, and technologies that are, that are kind of in the mix now that it's hard to nail it down to, to one that's going to be the, the, the new paradigm. And, yeah. and that's, that, that, I think that's true in the midst of it, but it's easy to forget how, much, how, how many also-rans there were in the 80s and 90s for those, those previous eras. Uh, that because they didn't make it, they didn't become the landmark, uh, they kind of fade into the background. And I think I, I would expect something similar to, I mean, not not guaranteed, but I would not be at all surprised if something similar happens here. Yeah. Are you where, thinking something is specific in the 80s or 90s? Or? So so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to the 90s. And um, so so what do we call that? Do we call that the, the, the internet era? Uh, yeah. Or the, the web era? Yeah, yeah. the internet era. Uh, I, I think not so much a competitor to the internet, but how we interfaced with the internet, there were a lot of different contenders. Right. Um, and, you know, things like AOL and, and kind of, and, and, you know, CompuServe and, and other uh, ISP controlled walled gardens kind of fell to the wayside. And I, I think that was, uh, a, a, those, those were very much contenders at the time. Um, and it wasn't obvious that they were going to be dinosaurs, uh, when, when some of the more open, uh, you know, wider access options uh, came to the fore. Right, right. So I mentioned here a few things, augmented reality, drones, connected homes, autonomous vehicles, and blockchains. It seems like the only things that are actually a platform there would be augmented reality and blockchains. The rest of it are just applications. Um, 
Well, autonomous vehicles. Zip, right. Zip. Well, and, and connected homes, we saw a big uh, explosion and growth there in the the last couple of years, but it's it's no longer really a buzzword. I think no. there's there's maybe kind of a backing off a little bit because people are getting uh, a, a little bit uh, creeped out by some of, some aspects of it, and and that hasn't really stopped them from using it. But we're not seeing as much growth in that direction. I think as a result of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so far, so good. Well, why don't we just go on to section two? Because the next two articles actually are, you know, the, that's the meat of it. Right. So why don't we go into we've, it? We've laid out the premise. Now let's, okay. let's justify it. So passive computing, the hardware. So the first one's called the hardware. The hardware devices for passive computing are designed to make existing tasks easier and more efficient. Like in the previous eras, they are also going to allow us to do things that we couldn't or wouldn't do with our devices before. We're already starting to see a cycle of marketable wearables hit the market. The wrist devices created by Apple, Samsung, and Fitbit look like they can make it into the mainstream. Uh, I love using the pay function on my Apple Watch. By the way, I still do. It feels so much more natural than taking out a card or using my humongous iPhone Plus. Uh, the other, I'm glad those iPhones didn't keep growing. <laughs> uh, I should just have like add like uh, you know sidebars and footnotes and all of my uh, all of my commentary. The, the annotated director's yes. cut. Uh, yes. The other day, uh, my cousin set up a phone for a group picture. He put the phone on one end of the room. We were all staring at. Is there a timer? How long do we have? Nope. Turned out he had a watch in hand, ready to instruct the thing to snap photos once we were ready. Another device that will emerge over the next decade is the voice-activated assistant. Here, I'm thinking about the Amazon Echo, which hangs out in your home. When you call it, it can answer questions for you on the internet. It excels at frequent, simple queries, the time, the weather, your schedule, the news. These devices are improving in their ability to connect to audio feeds such as radio stations or podcasts. Included in this category are also audio personal assistants on our phone, Siri, Cortana, and the awkwardly named Google Now. In Apple's latest iPhone, for example, Siri is always listening, so it acts like a portable Echo. These assistants have felt like beta features for a few years, but are slowly moving forward toward their promise. Also emerging is the connected car, which should come with its own voice assistant. Google Glass was before its time, but it's possible some heads-up display technology will emerge as well. Um, and I want to get to this last um, this last part because I feel like this was the most prescient uh, one. One piece of hardware that needs improvement is the headphone device, including the microphone. One of the more time-consuming parts of using smartphones is on the go. Uh, on the go is finding, untangling, and connecting those headphones. They are also a hazard when it comes to getting caught or being exposed to the elements. Sometimes we just do without them, but putting the phone to one's ear should really be a thing of the past. I have several different types of headphones, including a wireless Bluetooth pair. The wireless pair is great, but it's just as difficult to put on uh, a pair with uh, devices, which which caused me to use it only. For, it's a uh, it's difficult to put on that pair. It causes me to use it only for conversations at home while organizing or gaming. If the rumors are true, Apple is removing the headphone jack in their next phone. I hope they will use this opportunity to innovate on the headphones themselves. Um, and of course. Ding, 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 they did. Uh, and now I have an a AirPod Pro, so that was a good one. I mean, not, not a very tough uh, call to make there, but, uh, but I made it. Um, what's the value of having the internet available to us in this way? Is it just going to be a little bit faster and a little bit more convenient, or is there something more to it? In tomorrow's post, I'm going to talk about the new applications that these devices uh, may allow. So, okay. so right off the bat, I have two thoughts that have to do with cars that tie right. into this. Um, yeah. so, so one was something I thought of in the first section and forgot to say, um, but I'll come back to that because uh, what you just talked about with Bluetooth, um, yes, it's gotten better, but uh, there's, there's still complications in 
uh, you know, transitioning between Bluetooth connections and making sure that you're you're linking your your headset to the right device when you have multiple devices. I know we've uh, when when we've been talking on the phone and you're going from your car to your to your headphones. It's a real that, problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not nearly as seamless as as it seems like it could be. I feel like they need to have a team, like a small team, just working on it. That like, why can't I ask? Why can't it understand what my route is and then tell them I want to stop for gas on the way? Shouldn't that be a very simple thing to do? Um, well, so, yet- so that gets to the other thing I was going to mention, which is uh, for for a while I was kind of using uh, the the you know digital assistants uh, for for some stuff. You know, I I, I talk to Google on my phone and and ask it to do things. Right. There was um, a period when it first came out when everyone was trying it and and, and I giving it the I've, I've largely stopped. I, I have yeah. I have a, an Echo Dot in the house for not quite two years that. Basically, all it does is I ask it for the weather, and sometimes I tell it to play music. But I'm right. not, I'm, it's not integrated in my lifestyle. Part of that is because you kind of have to pick a silo that you want to belong in. Because if you have you know, a Google and an Amazon and an Apple device, and they don't all necessarily talk to each other, or they can, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to set that up. I think... Um, but but the, the the thing that I was I was really going towards is uh, the car side of it. Um, that that's the one thing that has gotten me back to using uh, the the speech recognition or you know speech activated virtual assistant. Uh, primarily because when you're in the car, it won't let you type things in. It, you know when when I'm using Android Auto and I assume right. that Apple CarPlay is similar. If it knows the car is moving, it it locks out those interfaces and you have to talk to it. Um, so that's that's forcing me to. To talk to uh, you know, in in my case, Google, when I want to tell it you know where I'm going and 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 to you know change change what it's playing uh, because it it even though it has the big touch screen there, uh, it doesn't want you typing because uh, of of the dangers of uh, of 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 that kind of interface. You know, right. m- much like we saw with the move to to hands free phones in general for for use in the car. This is this is trying to push that further in that direction. Yeah, it, it feels like we found some applications with these voice app uh, uh, voice. Um, activated devices, maybe in 2015, 2016, and it hasn't grown that much. Mm. And so this is kind of one of those, you know, again, around the same time we're talking about chatbots as one of those cycles where they, um, there was a, a big interest in it, a few things came out, but not, not maybe a huge cycle that um, you would, you would expect. And, and, and with the, uh, the uh, vocal assistance, uh, uh, you know, uh, audio assistance, we've seen improvements, but nothing dramatic. I feel like it's been been tiny incremental improvements. They're they're working around the edges. Uh, they haven't revolutionized it in the last couple of years. Right, right. Now the the AirPods, the the um, and and similar. There, I think there are similar ones for Android as well. Yeah, um, are pretty impressive. I mean, you know, with the AirPod Pro, it's you can have kind of surround sounds. You could do. Um, and, and, and you've mode. talked about this on, on yeah. uh, a couple episodes back. I, I have not tried them out, so I'm I'm not yet a believer. Uh, but, right, but I'm, I may have to uh, to to follow up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot more applications there. Uh, but yeah, again, Marsbot Audio had a hard, hard time. Um, I mean, we wouldn't have a hard time getting it off the ground, but there isn't investor interest as as you might like. Mm. Um, okay, so let's do the final one here. Oh, this is the longest one, so we'll see if we can get through it. But I'll I'll. Read it. Passive computing, the applications. This is the meat of it. This is um, what we're actually going to do with these things. What would hands-free computing really get us? Adding the internet to the PC revolution enabled us to do things we could never do before. That one was clear. At the cusp of the mobile revolution, say 2006, I would have been skeptical that the change to mobile was the defining change. It's great and all, but it's nothing I can't do from my desk. 
I didn't consider the applications that weren't possible before becoming possible. I also I didn't consider the fact that many applications which are technically feasible on the web are just not practical. For example, there's no technical reasons we can't log our swarm check-ins like, you know, where you're going each day at the end of the day, but that application uh, would that application really get any active users? I mean, you really have to have some of these location-based things. Uh, you really have to, even life logging, like you have to do it on the go. One example of the shift that I can actually, is that I can actually do some work on the go. It means I can be free from my apartment or office for more time. The first thing I did when getting a smartphone was start checking in on Foursquare, now Swarm. I now have that extra intelligence of four plus years of location data which helped jog my memory to make better decisions in the future. I can log my meals on my fitness pal as I go through my day if I'm looking to get healthier. And of course, there's Uber and ride sharing. I can see photos in real time of uh, what my friends and family are up to. I'm rarely as bored to death in the subway as I used to be. I've got games, books, podcasts with me at all times. I'm also less bored while exercising, which means I can do it more. Now, uh, before I go on, I'm like, that's kind of a very naive 2016 view of the world. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 yes, because all of this stuff was somewhat new and it's good. And now it's sort of taken over. Um, it's gotten old and boring and it's sort of taken over your, it's taken over our time a little bit more than I, I So be- like. before we move on to the next section, yeah. there's, there's something you said in there about um, kind of the, the logging your, your locations at the end of the day. And, right. and I, I think you're right that the, I used to uh, do that with Sticky Map. That yeah, was the, the original. The, yeah. the the market need for that or, or the, the user demand for that is probably pretty low. However, right. there is kind of a hybrid mode of that, which is something that I do use. Um, so uh, I don't know if you're aware, but Google has a, a timeline feature right. um, that it, it doesn't prompt you to check in. It doesn't do any of that live. But at the at the end of the day or, or sometimes at the end of the week, I'll, I'll take a look at it and I'll see. It, it has its listing of where it thinks I went and the route I took. And sometimes it gets it wrong. And so I'll I'll correct it, um, well, which, Foursquare, which Foursquare does something similar. To yeah, that. Foursquare um, has your location, but, but it's as well. primarily built around the the you know active check in when you're doing a thing, rather yeah. than than kind of silently collecting that in the background with the ability to to correct it after the fact. Um, Here's another early 2010s, and this is not quite early 2010s yet. Here, here the next paragraph I doubled down. Everything I do now requires less planning, but I don't do less planning. I just do more things. I don't need to write down addresses or location. I don't need to aimlessly wander the streets of New York to find something interesting, even though I still do. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, feel I, like I can't remember the I last time this. I actually took out a paper map and planned a route. Yeah. Uh, I also can't really remember the last time I printed out directions to something. Well, sure. But also, it's like you're kind of expected to be able to you know, get somewhere by the skin of your teeth yeah. and not really think about it. And so we're in a situation where if um, if our devices kind of malfunction, you're kind of stuck. Uh, you don't know what to do. Um, I, I think and, we and could, also as like, a culture, recover from that pretty quickly, but yeah. there'd be a, a, a confusing period where we were trying to figure it out all over again. Right. Like if, they're, if you're meeting someone now, you kind of assume that, um, you know, you're in touch and... There's sort of a um, there's a spontaneity about it, where <laughs> I mean I even it, it's not that long ago still I mean twelve years ago you would uh not you would be able to call the person but like on, on the cell phone but it was kind of expected to be a more firm plan right well yeah I, I'm I'm curious what the uh, economic disruption would be if the GPS system went down for like 48 hours <laughs> oh my god 
Well, I mean, it probably wouldn't just be like lost meeting times at restaurants and stuff. There would probably be some massive like, <laughs> I mean, if you thought our supply chain issues were bad now, yeah. uh, <laughs> there would be some uh, massive problems. Um, okay, so uh, let me kind of finish out the rest of it. Uh, so the mobile revolution was great, but if we're starting a passive hands-free revolution, that sounds even less impressive than mobile did in 2006. I've already got the world in my pocket, so does making it a little more convenient mean much? Here, I'm going to list a few potential applications. I expect only some will pan out, but there are, will also be some wild cards not listed. The first is payments. This has been proposed for a long time. Might hands-free payments be happening if I'm carrying a package in one hand, as I have witnessed uh, new parents, a baby in another? Uh, can't I just get out there, uh, uh, get out of there without being hassled? I bet that'll be far more common in the coming years. Also, imagine shorter line and more streamlined checkouts in the real world. Now, we have Amazon Go with that, and I don't yeah. know if Amazon Go is out at the time, but I feel like um, maybe that's kind of slowed uh, has that slowed down a little bit i still see them more and more but it's not like there's not like one in my hometown now that i'm in a small town. right yeah when i, I, I was haven't in new york, used it like, yeah, um and i have in I, new york. I don't know how much of that is that we're not paying attention to it or that the pandemic slowed down that proliferation yeah uh, or or that there there is indeed a reason other than that that they're not you know, expanding that that technology but yeah that that seemed like that's exactly what i was thinking of as, as the biggest innovation in that space because right. you know the self-checkout has been around for for at least a decade but it's never really been a pleasant experience until until they uh, tried to innovate on that okay the next one is texting without typing i'm including sms and chat apps in this category i can use my watch today but it barely hears me and i have to double check the text to speech if it's wrong i need to go to my phone that makes it very difficult to have conversations while walking around the go could this be seamless with an earpiece and microphone maybe i can get uh the sensory experience of voice with a slightly less than real-time benefit of text uh this will make working and planning even easier on the go particularly group planning so i definitely use the the airpods almost solve this problem a little bit. Uh, I, I would say that the the bigger challenge there that's that's really under the surface voice to text is not that good. But I use it is, in the is, is autocorrect. That yeah. if if I have to fight with autocorrect when I'm actually typing, I can't yeah. expect it to do a better job when I'm talking to it. Yeah. And, and until in, they solve those problems, yeah. it's still going to be a struggle. Especially in the car because they read it back to me and mm. I can't even see what they're doing. So it's uh, it's uh, I've texted some funny things to people while in the car. <laughs> uh, voice enhanced work. I'm constantly in a position at work where I'm trying to get something done, and I need some other piece of information which is buried deep in some other application. For example, when I'm supposed to be writing some code, and I need to pull up a conversation I had earlier about how it's supposed to work, or I need to add something to my calendar, or check my task list, a lot of these things cause me to break concentration, and it could be a big distraction. Imagine if you could just query for answers using your voice while doing the core work with your keyboard and mouse. So that was sort of... Um, uh, kind of ask for my workflow at the time, and we're still not very good at that. There's no like yeah, d digital assistants can can do some pieces of that, but not yeah. not the more complex ones, and not particularly well. Especially if what you're looking for is to not interrupt your flow. Uh, that's right. that's a big big lift right now. It's like in the, in the movie Her when when she's like, oh, uh, let me go through your email and let me um, share with you what uh, is important. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't actually seen that, so maybe that yeah. needs to go on the uh, the the local maximum movie club list. <laughs> I haven't seen that since this is in the theater, so maybe we should do that for a movie night. Uh, but I think that uh, that's actually a good idea. I think that um, I think that those types of applications are really hard because 
you need to know all the context of what the person is up to, which is, it sounds like it's possible in theory, but maybe in practice, there's something very difficult about it. There's something very, um, there's something very like general AI about it. Mm. Um, well, uh, do you remember, uh, was it two years ago, something like that when Google came out with the, the, the bot that like could call and make reservations and set up appointments for oh, you. Yeah, we that, covered that. That, that was very remember. much trying to go in this direction, but, yeah. but, but I haven't heard much about that since the, the, the big reveal. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to look at the episode with that. Uh, I mean, I know we covered it. I just... I oh, yeah, for sure. For sure we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. We'll, it's not we'll, as... We'll stick that link in and post. But, but they were talking about causing uh, uh, calling like businesses and stuff. So we wouldn't know if that was going on. Right. Um, but uh, maybe it was just a... Uh, <laughs> maybe we should follow up on that. And that's a good idea. Okay. Enhanced games and exercise. The addition of audio feeds and commentary has really been a game changer. I now use online games as a way to keep up with friends and isn't the majority of YouTubers something just commentary on games. If the future of computing allows us to use multiple means of communicating and receiving information, I'd expect this to change the way we game as well. I wonder if you'd see immersive worlds where you can interact through gesture, voice, and old-fashioned typing all at the same time. Um, I'll just go on to the... Well, I'll, I'll just drop in one quick comment yeah. that, that uh, given the recent news about uh, Facebook uh, changing oh. to meta and the emphasis on the metaverse, that seems very timely. Right, right. Um, it just seems so creepy. Like, I just don't think... <laughs> I, I don't see using it unless the interface is really good. And Facebook, to me, is not known for that kind of interface. It feels like it has to be someone like Apple doing that. Hmm. But... Um, Oh, we'll we'll find out more. I have not dived into what they why did. Yeah, they could put together a good video, but I don't know. Okay, augmented reality. In terms of local search, we've long imagined this heads-up display that tells us what's around us. While parts of this are possible to build, I think we'll see applications with a more narrow focus meant to make day-to-day life easier. Maybe I shouldn't have to worry about which way I'm walking or driving since I'm given quick, difficult-to-mistake cues. I think a bunch of things like that, which reduce the mental load on one task in favor of others is what we're going to see. So, so far, we really have not seen much of that. We've had a lot of, except for uh, audio, we have not seen much of augmented reality. And I'm beginning to think it's further away than we think. Well, there's there's a lot of work being done in there with, um, I think actually Microsoft is one of the leaders um, in terms of, of actually commercially deployed uh, AR platforms with, is, is, it, is it Halo? Is that what they... They, they call it Halo Lens or something. Huh. Um, but, but I think the government is their number one uh, client right now that it's being used for, for military training and that type of stuff. So I'd, I'd be interested to see what that actually is um, since, A, it's not huge on the civilian market, and B, I, I certainly haven't interacted with it. But, but yeah, right. there's, there's not a lot of public-facing successes in this area. I think the next one might be a, a little bit more, have had a little bit more uh, true applications that we've seen. That's health data. Having real-time updates and recommendations on health decisions can have a tremendous impact on quality of life. With next-level resolution on our health data, we can find patterns and start to crack serious diseases. But I hope that day-to-day life also improve. Can these applications help us figure out things like diet, exercise habit, work-life balance, and sleep schedule in order to feel best during the day and get the most out of life? Can it give us early warning if we're coming down with a cold and need to rest up? 
the less time spent sick or tired, the better. Most of us aren't naturally inclined to look after long-term health, and that, makes, uh, and that takes mental energy to get right. If we get real-time reminders, perhaps we can both look after our long-term health without having to expend so much energy worrying about it. So I feel like Apple has been pretty big on this, maybe not as much as one would like. Yeah, well, I, the, the low-hanging fruit has been hit here, which is like yeah. tracking steps and monitoring sleep. Right. But I feel like the next step, which is actually helping me to improve on any of those things, has, has not and, – and maybe that's more my fault than it is the device and the technology. Right, right. But I haven't <laughs> been able to translate having access to you know my sleep logs and my step logs into actually – improving my habits around those things right right there, there should be like try this did it work and yeah. then if it's no you get into some... and, and i think the food and diet part is even trickier because yeah. it involves a lot more active logging whereas the right. other stuff can be monitored pretty passively yeah yeah okay so to follow to finish it up for all of these applications oh god i have so many um typos in this for all of this application so okay for all of these applications this isn't just a cosmetic change for input-output. This will require very good machine learning for voice and image recognition, smart sensors and databases for detecting context and algorithms for using that context correctly. Two big changes I haven't mentioned on this list, but could I could talk a lot about, are autonomous vehicles and blockchain technology. But I think that autonomous uh, vehicles in particular fit this uh, framework very well in that they eliminate the thinking and concentration needed for driving and allow us to free up our time for something else, Blockchain technology on its surface might fit into the payments category, but even though it could revolutionize money, I think that the day-to-day -day act of paying, swipes, tap, taps, blinks, whatever, can be separated from the currency used. I think that the real benefit to Bitcoin and Ethereum and these other projects when it comes to passive computing is going to be harnessing uh, is going to be the harnessing of economic players in order to build more proactive and intelligent services. Uh, I can write a whole lot more about that, and we probably <laughs> should do uh, – and, and and given that I'm not going to write about it, we should probably do a, an episode about it, and we've kind of touched on that before. Um, so it looks – it actually does look like um, blockchain is ended up being the next um, the next platform. And honestly, at the time when I wrote this, I would have kind of hoped that, but I didn't want to uh, – I didn't want to – I didn't want to jinx it, so I didn't make it the lead. Uh, okay, so finally, there's my case for passive computing. It fits with the long-term product cycle narrative. It's been percolating for a while with some less impressive applications that will expand tremendously, and we might be right at the start of the sharp incline. I'll have to come back to this in a few years and see whether it looks like it's going to happen. So um, mixed, I'd say. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we we're at the point where we've seen the like you said that you think you think blockchain is is probably the winner here, but yeah. it's it's not uh, it's not a slam dunk yet. We don't know for sure that that this is going to be the decade of blockchain. Well, if you um, think but about it's it, certainly going to play a role, right? If you think about it, I don't think mobile really started as um, I think mobile was like percolating in the O's and then really started around 2010. Yeah. And so I think that blockchain is and, and some of these passive applications were percolating in the 2010s and maybe still are a little bit. Maybe we have a few more years before we reach that. Um, or maybe maybe we have... Uh, I mean, it, it could very well be happening now. It's just we can't tell until right. in hindsight. Uh, well, like mobile was happening. Yeah, mobile was happening in 2006, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to... Like you'd still have your flip phone and you'd be like, whatever. 
you know, so it, yeah. Well, and, and I think on the automotive, uh, you know, self-driving car side, that that's that's a generation away, it, yeah. it, at least in, not not a, a human generation necessarily, but a, a tech generation away here. Sure, still. sure, sure. All right, cool. So yeah, so I think that was an interesting article. I'm glad that I, I wrote it. I think that um, it 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 uh, plays into a lot of what we're talking about, and it gives us things to still look at. I I would have hoped that. I mean, I guess my one good hit was the AirPod type situation, which is which was obvious. But I sort of um, was hoping to see more. Although in terms of blockchain, I think that uh, we've gotten a lot more than what I was hoping. So that's good. Cool. Yeah. Well, let us let us know what you guys think uh, out there in listener land, and yep. uh, you know what what we missed. Uh, if if there was anything Max hit on the nose that we didn't talk about here, uh, and and what we should be looking at for the next cycle here, yep. Sign up for the locals maximum.locals.com. By the way, locals and Rumble just merged. Rumble bought locals. Uh, did we talk about that last time? I think we no. You you posted about it in the local, but I don't think we've talked about right. It. We talked post about that in the local, and we talked about the Trump social network. And like so many things are happening in these uh, alternative networks, and so I think um, I think I might have to do some commentary on that next time. All right. Uh, I think we're good for today. Really quick one at Aaron's house today. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.